Welcome to episode 181 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Alright guys, welcome all to episode 181 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How are you going, John? I'm very good, thank you, Bevan. And you? We're not in the studio today, how are we, John? No, you're in sunny Auckland and I'm in shitty cold Christchurch. <laughs> is it that bad, is it? It's pretty bad, pretty bad. Summer's uh, threatening to come through, but it's not here yet. And so are you riding today, John? This is a big question. Are you a fair weather rider nowadays? I will ride later. <laughs> I, I, I am a fair weather rider, I will ride, but... Uh, I'm not riding in sub-10 degrees rain, <laughs> I Am Talk is proudly brought to you by... Coffeesofwaii.com The best coffee in the world. Enter the discount code IAMTALK at checkout and you get your deal. Trybuyers.com Get on there, check out your first stop for a triathlon shop. So Athlinks.com Social networking for endurance athletes for all your tracking results and social needs. So on this week's show, we've got a bit of news. We've got an age group of the week. We've got a high five, I think. Uh, website of the week, Coach's Corner. What's that on, Jumbo? It's not really Coach's Corner, but I just left that in the notes. It's, uh, it's John's solution to drafting problems. You're like God in our sport, aren't you? Well, some people like to think so myself. <laughs> uh, no, not really. It's just, given some of our comments last week, I thought I'd just back it up rather than con- continuing complaining about drafting, come up with some solutions. That's right, John. I like it. Solutions. News is brought to you by x If you want to check out the latest news, reviews, and interviews of the stars, you can go out there and check it out on xtry.com. So first of all, we had the ITU World Distance, Long Distance World Champs, I should say, last weekend, John, and it looked like it was a pretty bloody hard swim. It did. So they, those guys over there, it's, uh, it's double Olympics, so it's 3k swim, 80k bike and 20k run. And, and we did discuss last week that the course was going to be flat and uh, we're anticipating quite a bit of drafting. I haven't heard back whether there was a lot of drafting, but one thing that's come through in, the, in all the media releases is the swim was very, very difficult, very, very choppy. Uh, and I, I know a couple of athletes that I coached, you know, they had very, very slow swims, and some people, especially the weaker ones, really, really struggled. So I'm sure that will have broken the field up a little bit, and then on the bike it just sounded very, very windy, um, which will have helped you know, spread things out a bit, and then the run sounded very, very hot. So really challenging day, but I guess you know, if you're going to the World Champs, you want, you want um, you know, everything to be thrown at you, and, uh, and they certainly got that. I think what was interesting was that the Doe couldn't stay off the front pack on the bike, so it's obviously another level between... You know, you look at Doe, he's pretty normally up the front of a bike in an Ironman, whereas in this race, he got dropped on the bike, so either he had a bad day, but he kind of still held it together to hold on to ninth. But for him not to stuff the front riders was interesting, I thought. Yeah, it is. And these guys are strong athletes. And I think what we, you know, if we say compare this field, we're, we're probably going to look at these results and go, oh, yeah, nobody was there. Um, because we, we're really familiar with the, you know, the 70.3 series and the Ironman athletes. And they yeah. you know, typically may well come from English speaking countries where the ITU side of things here, they're mostly European athletes. So if you look at the guys' side of things, um, mostly European athletes, which we're not that familiar with some of the names, but, you know, I know a lot of them and, uh, and they are very, very strong athletes. So I think if we compare the, the the field here versus the 70.3 field, I'd say the 70.3 field may be just a little bit stronger. Um, 
but but not massively so. So some of these names you won't be familiar with, but but they're, they're good quality athletes. But still, I would not call either this race or the 70.3 race a you know, pure world championship where you get the absolute the best of the best. They haven't got that pulling power yet. Um, it would be great to see uh, more of the ITU athletes, the short course athletes, sort of stepping up. Yep. Um, and and the timing is never going to be right for the for the Ironman athletes, the big guns, to really step down. So I well, guess you know they're going to look at that. Alexander was kind of talking that he was going to race. I don't know if he ever really was, but he did pull out a week before the race, and he actually predicted that Timothy O'Donnell would win it. And uh, Timothy O'Donnell had actually beaten his St. Croix record last year, so it would have been nice to see Alexander race. Obviously, probably this close to the it wouldn't have worked, but interesting. Yeah, and no, I think he was never going to race. I think he was there as a as an ambassador, an ambassador to the race. Ambassador of the sport, there we go. <laughs> and just there to get a bit of a name behind it, but I mean... If he'd finished first or last, I don't think he would have uh, raced after Kona. I guess the only thing would have been if he'd maybe had a mechanical or something and had, hadn't, uh, you know, been able to finish the race, then, then he may have done it. But I don't think there's even much chance. What is the ITU have used him as an ambassador? Because, you know, if you went to the website before the race, uh, you know, it was, Alexander was a big presence on their website. It's interesting that they've used the WTC guy. I know Alexander isn't a triathlete, but, you know, he's kind of an Ironman nowadays. And for them to use him as their promotional tool was, I don't know, interesting. Yeah, well, I think the, I, I don't think the you know the ITU have got too many issues with that. I think I think they're much more accommodating of all athletes. If you go to their homepage at the moment, I'm not sure if it's still there, but it was last week. Um, they're, they're going back and they're actually going through some of the history, and they've got a big article in there about the 1989 World Championships where um, Aaron Baker and Mark Allen were, um, won the race, and they've got a picture of you know, Mark Allen ripping along and, and his speedos and singlet in 1989. So, you know, I think um, I think the ITU, uh, I feel they're, they're heading in the right direction, and they're, and they're doing a lot of the things we, we are saying that the WTC should be doing. So, anyway, to, to the results, um, Evan said, Timothy O'Donnell took the race out, 348.15 and took it on the run so good on him and I think he's going to be a name to watch for the 70.3 series next year he's, he's done well this year and um, and now he's got a world title for his name Sylvain Soudry from France which is a name I'm not particularly familiar with was second in 349 and Marty Jensen who we have seen around the traps a bit was only 10 seconds back in uh, 349 as well a couple of other names that were in there Jan Rahula former Olympic medalist he was in fourth Paul Ambrose he's always um, popping up uh, Francois Chaval um, from France. He's you know been a top five Ironman athlete frequently. Leon Griffin, he's um, been a 70.3 winner. Um, Julian Loy was eighth. He's been won the World Championship Series, um, the ITU side of things a couple of times. Um, Kieran Doe was ninth, and I'm not sure if Clayton Fettle from Australia, but there are plenty of names we're familiar with, but um, not some of the real, real big hitters from either the WTC circuit or the ITU short course circuit racing there. I think the other thing is to notice that, that they all came within like a 10 minute period or 8 minute period so it's kind of nice to see them just kind of flying through once the first person came through yeah um, and oh, the other side of things was a domination by Jodie Swallow dominated the dojo so she is one of the athletes that does race on the ITU circuit um, she has uh, got a lot of talent and one thing you'll notice about her is when you compare her to especially the short course girls is she's a solid unit you know she's She's not fat or anything like that, but when you compare the tiny little frames of all the, you know, like the, the Emma Snow Sills, yeah. um, Emma Moffat, and so on, they're small, small, skinny girls. Whereas Jodie Swallow is solid, you know, more like a swimmer's build, but she swam and biked the pants off everybody and just killed them all. 
um, and easily won in 4.07, which is a pretty respectable time. Uh, and she won the Singapore 70.3 earlier this year. It hasn't had really many good results on the ITU circuit um, this year. Been okay, but, but nothing spectacular. But I, I think this may well be her distance. I mean, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised. I think she'd be really suited to doing Ironman racing if she can hold it together. But she's a pretty strong athlete. Oh, and then Rebecca Keck came in at second, kind of didn't really have the push after Kona, she was saying. She kind of really hurt, but she was pretty happy to put off a second. Yes, she was a long way back, and, yeah. and I think... 11 um, minutes. Yeah, 11 minutes, that's an absolute, you know, pelting. But, you know, hey, she's only done Kona a couple of weeks ago, so you can't beat on up, up, up on her yeah. too much. Some of the other names there, I mean, Lucy uh, Zelnikova there in fifth. She was, uh, you know, leading Kona after the swim this year. Um, and a lot of the other names there we're not super familiar with. Pip Taylor was back there in night. Sounded like she sort of blew up a little bit. Um, and Sybil Matter was in there in fourth. She sort of does okay on some of the IT, um, WTC races. So, again, some, some good athletes there, but um, uh, not, not the big, big stars. Well, the other iron distance race we had this weekend was the what was it? The Great Floridian and Great Floridian. Really fascinating. I read the kind of piece that you sent through on the notes, and the guy who won it wasn't even going to do the race the day before. He was actually going to do the Aqua race, whatever it is, the Aqua Triathlon. Aqua bike. Aqua bike. And then even after the bike, he wasn't even going to do the run, and the crowd were like, "Come on, mate, keep at it!" And he ended up winning by an hour and seven. So maybe he needs to think a little bit serious in the race. <laughs> Well, yeah, I think it's because yeah, he's training up for the 70.3 champs, which is only three weeks ago, three weeks away. So I'm sure that was going through his mind when he's on the run, sort of tossing up. Well, I can win a race here, or I can, and, and probably not do so well at 70.3, or I can uh, throw the towel in. And yeah, well, I guess he just tried. Situation. Let's say you're in a race where I don't know how good this guy is, but if he's nine and a half hour guy, he's probably not going to win his age group into 70.3. Well, maybe yeah. would, depending, but you know, probably not. So. Yeah. You know, do you kind of in this race where it's kind of a second tier race? Do you kind of? Uh, I'd, say, I'd say it's it's more like a third or fourth tier race. So okay. the, you know, there's, yeah, there's yeah, no so prize race. It's not a big race, you know, but still you'll get to win a race, and you may have to sacrifice maybe what was your key race in the year, but you may have not necessarily done that well in that race anyway. Would you go for the win or would you pull out? I'd so I'd focus on my, my key event for the year, and, oh, I, and focus, I, John, I, I love that about you. <laughs> And I wouldn't put my shoes in transition, so uh, that would be the, the, way, the simple way to eliminate going out on the run is to, to remove your, your shoes from transition. Although, it's a security isn't it? I, I, I told, uh, I had one of my athletes over in um, France racing this year in, in short course racing for, for a club, and she um, she was going to do that. She was, gonna, she was coming back from a, a stress fracture, and, um, and she did the swim and the bike, and I said, don't even put your shoes in transition. But then two of her teammates um, maybe got punches or had to pull out of the race for whatever reason, and so they needed her to finish. So the coach threw a pair of shoes over the, the manager right. threw a pair of shoes over the fence, and she sort of just walked around the run just so they could register a team finish. So it's not always a, a foolproof method, but yeah, this guy Zach Rubble um, came home nine twenty seven, fifty seven minute swim, five oh three on the bike, and then a three twenty run. So even if he was backing off and hold, holding back, that's still going to take quite a bit out of your legs. Yeah. Um, Aubrey Aldi was second in 10.35, and then third was Heavy A. Oh, man, I wish you'd see this on Bevan. Um, um, Bowsy-Villy. Bowsy-Villy in 11.05. And girls sort of things? Girls sort of things. Uh, let me just female results. Yeah, you, we took it out in 11.43, and number two was Heather White. The Heathers were dominating the dojo, 12.11, and then Karen Azur. Um, and 12.26. Oh, 
so yeah, I mean, it, it is a um, it's it's not a second tier race. I'd say it's a third or fourth tier race. It's one that's out there for people just to get out there and. It's been around for a, a long crack. time, about nineteen years. So that's kind of oh, yeah. keep on going. Yeah, no, it's bloody good, and uh, it's just you know obviously they wouldn't have any prize money there, I would imagine, because uh, there's no pros racing. But um, yeah, it's just a good, probably a low key race if you're keen to get in and not be around all the hype and the razzmatazz. This is probably a good one to try, and it's also a late season race, so that's you know what you often often got to be careful of. Guys get um, caught up in doing the early season races, and it really means it's a bit of a struggle to hold your season together if you want to have a full long summer season of racing. So if you want to you know um, have a variety of races in your season, doing some Olympics, some halves, this is a great way to do it. You know you can use your season to to get some speed and have fun racing, and then finish it off with an Ironman. So um, check it out if you're looking for a late season race. Okay, so a few weeks ago we were in Kona, and there was, a, and there was an athlete wearing black shoes, and John said, you're not going to do any good today because he's wearing black shoes, but I noticed that this athlete is crossing the finish line at the exterior world champs wearing those black shoes, and Nico Lanas took it out. Yeah, but I think he would he would much prefer to have had a good race in Kona than uh, in a good race at exterior. But the thing is that they, on this website here on So Twitch, they're saying that basically he's equal to the most winning um, exterior championships. Yeah, no, he's a good athlete. I mean, he's won. I don't know how many times he's won he there, but it's fourth, I think. It's, uh, he's, so he's, he's, he's fantastic and, and a big part of it is just your, your mountain biking skills um, and that's where a lot of triathletes fall down if they don't come from a cycling background they really struggle with their, the mountain biking and you can see some dreadful performances but you know he's one that, that is able to transfer across and of course he comes from an ITU background so he's a good swimmer and he's a good runner and, and he's clearly a good mountain biker so um, whereas the guy who got second Nicholas Sabron is a former I think he may have won the world duathlon championship so He's a good biker runner, um, not such a good swimmer, so he gives away a little bit of time there. And then you've got guys like Olivier Marceau and Conrad Stoltz, who are both um, former short course guys who are exceptional on the bike, uh, a little bit weak on the run, and, and they can just keep up in the swim. So Aniko Lanos is a, is a good all-round athlete, and he covers all three disciplines well. So good on him. So I thought I'd just bring that up because he did have such a crappy race in Kona, and he was able to back it up. And on the girls' side of things, well, Julie just, Dippins... Just, just one thing to everyone's advantage was last year's when Ruben, was it, Ruzafa? Uh, uh, yeah, he dominated last year, wasn't he? Because he was like the world bloody mountain bike Mountain strategy. biking. Yeah, and he dominated last year, but he was actually out injured, so I'm sure everyone was pretty happy to see him not there. Because we talked to somebody in Kona about that, I can't remember who it was, and they it was, said um, that... It was Luke, the Australian guy we interviewed. Um, oh, when we talked to him, Luke... Um, Mackenzie, is it? No, 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 it was... Uh, it'll come to me later on, we'll come back to okay. it. Um, but Julie Divins took out the, the girls' race uh, pretty easily in 2.56, was eight minutes in front of Leslie Patterson. And Julie Divins, when they were talking about her in Kona, um, they were saying that they, you know, most of the girls think that she is the strongest biking athlete in triathlon uh, in the world at the moment. So she's clearly demonstrated that probably by just killing them all on the bike, and she's a great swimmer as well. Wow, nice. And second was Leslie Patterson, and third was Melanie McQuaid. And I guess one other mention there, who was I looking for? On a girls? No, no I've, I've lost it. I was looking for somebody who backed up and did uh, did Kona as well, but I can't see any names there that did Kona as well as uh, as well as doing that. Because they do have that competition where you do uh, Hawaii and Kona, uh, Hawaii and uh, Xterra, and they sort of combine your time somehow and try oh, to okay. figure who, who the ultimate champion is. Oh, nice. Oh, I imagine Alanis would have taken the men's out. Um, okay, so and then we also had the Longhorn 70.3 in Austin and good old Richie Cunningham. One, two, three, four. Happy, happy days. Happy days. <laughs> yeah. He took it out. 
And I think he, he where did he finish last year? I think he was uh, maybe. No, he won third. it last year. He got he won it last year. Yep. But he, I think he was third last year at uh, the seventy point three champs. So oh, he's been, okay, a, been around for ages. Um, well, pretty good field there. What I found interesting is he's running at uh, one twelve and he's still getting the second best run split. So, man, yeah. these guys are fast. Yeah, it's always the case. So whether it's accurate or whether it's not accurate, I think those guys are running pretty close to that. But it does seem uh, that okay, does so seem. I actually, I want to talk about this because I was out on my bike the other day and I was thinking to myself, how is it that triathlon can be so poor at setting out courses? Like the World Championships of ITU, they were two hundred meters short, you reckon, in the run. Now, how yep. is it that they can do that? That's just poor. Well, it is, and I, I guess that their only excuse. Is you know, I think it's say the World Championship course um, over in Gold Coast, it was a looped course um, and, and it would have been very difficult to actually somehow figure out how you can tack on an extra 200 metres because it was it was almost perfectly positioned. You know, it was four loops of the circuit but around a little good enough. That's not a good enough excuse. Well, no, if you'd been there, if you, if you, oh, if you change the run course, no, it's not weak. If they're doing the you Olympic marathon and they were to go to them, oh, look, we can't tack on the last couple hundred metres of the marathon, let's just cut it short by 200 metres, would that be all right? wouldn't know because that's easy you can just change things around but this is because it would have had to cut across the bike course somehow um so it would have been a little bit difficult to do oh, there boring, you know. so, no it's not it's strong <laughs> ITU, ITU are gods um <laughs> anyway I, I i think you know the the only excuse is if you're doing a looped course like that and if you have got to somehow cross over the run course i, I agree to a certain extent it's a bit weak but it's just logistically quite difficult to do but uh, as far as doing an out and back course i think it's it's just it's just not not on if you don't do have, don't have the course exactly right so a course like kona um i would hope very much that it is exactly 42.2 kilometres um, because, you know, you've got to basically two out and backs. But in their defence at the World Short Course Champs, um, it was a loop course and I could see it would be very difficult because they were just looping and the bike would basically loop on a very similar course. They would have had to cross over the bike course, which would have made it a little bit difficult. Um, agree? To some extent, it's yeah, a bit I, weak. I still find it very weak. I think if you're going to have a course, it's got to be the right distance, especially at World yeah. Champs. Um, yes. Well, we just have to agree to disagree on this one, John. Okay, so what else happened in this race? Brian, what was his second name? Fleisch, Fleischman was second, yep. and Alessandro Degasepi from was third, and then Joanna Zyger, who's a defending uh, 70.3 champ, I think, uh, was first. Heather Jackson was second. Nicole Hoffler was third. And uh, this, this was where I was looking for uh, Teresa Marcel, who, who raced in Kona a couple of weeks ago. She was fifth in 4.26. Okay, nice. Okay, what else have we got on my list of things to do here? Good old ITU, your, your mates, the ITU, have released your series for next year. I guess the one thing to note here, and I mean, we are we are scraping the barrel a bit here for long course news because this is not long course at all, but there's not much news going on in the world. And there's uh, there's actually no iron distance races that we can see coming up this weekend. There's a few next weekend, um, but things are starting to get really thin because it's the end of the uh, Northern Hemisphere season and the start of the summer, Southern, Southern Hemisphere season. But yeah, my good old friends, the ITU, have announced the, the series for this season. And I guess the things to note here are there are no races in North America and there are no races in South America. There's a, it's a two, four, six, seven race series. Um, and you know, we've got Sydney, Seoul, Madrid, Hamburg, London, Kitzbühel, and Budapest. So yeah, as I said, I think uh, the American races, are, I don't know exactly why the reason uh, is, but Washington, D.C., which was a great race last year when they were going up and down Pennsylvania Avenue over there and the mayor of the city was really involved in it. It did look like a nightmare to get it all organised, but that race is gone. Um, I guess they still hopefully will have the Des Moines race, which is the big money race, and I'm sure still the top athletes will go over to that. 
but um, yeah, it's very much a European has a very much a European feel to it. Sort of starting in Australia, then going through Asia, and then but pretty much all the rest of the races are over in Europe. Well, apparently, what they're going to be doing next year is cutting 200 metres off every course. So apparently, they will. So we'll see some 28 minute run times. <laughs> okay, so last week's discussion was. What do we have here? We had discussion. Here, here, here's something this week. Oh. So Bevan decides to blame uh, Google on not being able to a- update Athlinks. Oh well, no, I couldn't. I couldn't actually go on Athlinks last week, so I couldn't I know think, what. Was uh, don't blame Google. Blame blame your you blame your bloody. You know, you know what I did. Mac, I found a solution there. like you did. I found a solution. and I just tacked it on to the week before discussion. So last week we had the discussion. What was it? And I actually think I'm going to veto this week's discussion because I've got a, a, a dilemma, John. So I'll talk to you about that once we've done this week's one. But First of all, this week's discussion, we asked you, what would you do if you could no longer do triathlon in your life? And uh, you can start off. Well, we've fueled, fueled a bit of a storm here. Poor old Murray Lapworth decided pretty much to give up the sport because based on our discussion of the week. So a huge influence, mm. John. You've got to remember that when you put these questions up here. I know. Mm, very typical. Since Friday, I've been contemplating retiring from competitive triathlon, even though I'm riding and running faster than ever, which poses a real dilemma. Being so close to achieving my goal over the past five years, which for Murray was qualifying for Kona and then going over there and doing it, um, there are more important things I could do with my time, like spending time with my wife and children, serve more around the church, develop my business consulting practice, laze around while on holiday, play golf, and travel to Europe watching the cycle tours. I'd still like to run some classic races like the Rootburn and Able Tasman, which are two big um, off-road races here in New Zealand, and experience the original Ironman Hawaii revisited in 2013 for my 50th. I feel as though my body is breaking down and don't want to push so far immobilizing myself too young so has he actually retired i'm not quite sure i'll, I'll follow up with him this week holy hammers it's changing direction john there's nothing wrong with yeah. that do you lose your nickname if you retire from triathlon from on long course racing people still call me mully oh, <laughs> <laughs> so maybe i can lose it okay who am i going to go for a second good you old what's that do you want to go for Fegan? He's got some uh, a good scenario there. Okay, I'll go Fegan. There's two. If I had to stop triathlon, two scenarios. Physically wasn't able to do triathlon. Well, based on the CAF guys, that would have to be a pretty serious scenario. So rule that one out. Second scenario, I could choose to stop doing triathlon, probably go back to running, and indeed, I may take the next year off triathlon to do multi-stage running races instead. I love to say that I drink beer and sit on my ass, but I do that anyway. Nice. I see a lot of people moving into more multi-sport challenges now as a way of mixing things up and keep, thing, and keep things interesting or picking up big single sporting challenges such as swimming the channel. All right. Swimming the channel. That'll be interesting. Remember, Old, remember, uh, remember that guy in Epic Camp that stayed with me? Uh, yeah, Kieran. Kieran, yeah, Kieran, Kieran he's been in the channel. And he said after he swam it, he didn't want to swim for another few years. I think he had like three <laughs> years off swimming. <laughs> exactly. Uh, old, uh, <coughs> old nosy, Nick, Nick Nosy Rose. Yeah, bro. You right there, Bevan? Yeah, I'm dying, but that's okay. I'll yeah. survive. Uh, I made a decision four years ago to stop playing golf so he could focus on his Ironman racing. And so he's sort of saying that if he uh, had to give up Ironman racing, he'd go, probably go back to golf. Okay, beautiful. Gerald. Terrorizer Smith, I uh, get myself a serious case of depression and put on a lot of pounds. It took me about five years to, of searching to find the next big thing in my life, and now that I've found it, I would be completely gutted if I couldn't train for an Ironman. Having been injured for three months now sucks enough, let alone uh, never being able to train again. But of course, in the end, I would get over it and start to search again for the next big thing. And finally, Lou Dredgley. Um 
Hi guys, if I had to stop triathlon, I would cross-country ski and snowshoe during the winter months, mountain bike during the fall and spring months, and for the summer months, do some adventure racing, if that doesn't count as triathlon. So Bevan, this is an easy question for you. Yeah, it's been interesting since I kind of stopped triathlon. It's I've kind of just looked for small challenges instead of that big event, you know, where you kind of focus on the Ironman. I've just kind of looked for small, and I've, I really focus on running, I suppose, but at the same time, I haven't really. I've just kind of just chosen one event and trained for it, and then... I stopped doing that thing, so I did the root burn, I did the marathons, and I kind of trained for 12 weeks, and then in between, I wouldn't really keep it up, and um, I know that I talked to Albert about um, going over to Boston Marathon in 2011, I think it was, um, and I would actually want to do a year's running of consistent running to do that, because I'd actually like to do a fast race there, so for me, probably running, but uh, my attitude's changed instead of just being always training towards the one bigger thing, is just kind of looking for events that excite me, so I still do events, but just the ones that excite me. Mm. What about you? Um, for me, I think the obvious choice, and, and like what you've done, is to go into one of the single sports. So you know, either biking or running. Um, I probably veer a little bit towards um, a little bit towards running and doing some possibly some some off road stuff, and, and probably trying to run a fast marathon. But I may well do that uh, next year anyway. Yeah. Um, and I guess I'd also probably go out there and. I, I, what appeals to me is endurance sports uh, and, and doing stuff that requires stamina, mental strength, and just being able to push through. Skill sports to me uh, are not so appealing because maybe because I'm not very good at them. Um, also, so you need, you need a lot of time to develop those skills, don't you? Yeah, and, and team sports don't do a lot for me, and skill sports don't do a lot for me. So I'd yeah probably try to find something um, which is just pretty straightforward. Uh, and I guess the other thing for me is I would. Um, but step away from endurance sports completely and do something different. So I'm pretty keen to, you know, with the family once they start getting a bit older, sort of maybe get in a bit more, a bit into sort of hiking and going on sort of um, multi-day camps and flogging Thomas through the hills. Yep, nice. One thing that has been nice, I have to admit, in choosing running over cycling is the amount of time you get spare from it. Like a you know a long run is two and a half three hours, whereas that's your average bike ride, isn't it? So I have noticed that the amount of time that I've got in my life since pulling away from my means to just running and I have to admit that has been appealing and the idea of getting back on a bike you've just really got to consider that because you know it just takes up so much more time so but all you guys out there training hard you just keep going hammering don't, don't oh, think yeah, about totally. time yeah, we've been there we've done that so we know that life and we loved it but yeah, yeah definitely um, okay, so John, I've got a dilemma, and, and again, I might have to do the same trick on on Athletics this week because I can't do the website when I'm in Auckland. So I might just flick it through to me. I'll do the Athletics side of things. You flick it through okay, on but me. Then I, but then, guys, if you're listening, I don't go to our website to find, or just go to Athletics to find a discussion because often what happens is when we do that, people email me saying I can't find it on the website. So just be aware of that. So John, I got an email through the other day, and um, someone's asked me to do a celebrity boxing match in Christchurch. And I know, I know, I know we are both, well, what do you reckon? We, we call ourselves F nowadays? We call it what? F grade celebrities. Oh, if, oh yeah, I'd, I'd say more like uh, about O or P, Q or something, somewhere okay, about we'll, the we'll F. We'll go with Q, we'll go with Q. So, I mean, I'm a Q grade celebrity, but I've been asked to do a boxing match as a Q grade celebrity in Christchurch in about six weeks from now. And I have to admit, I've never been a fighter, and I, and I actually hate violence, but something about doing a controlled fight in a, in a ring does really appeal to me. Now, it's going to be, I think it's in seven weeks from now, which means if I do that, I won't be doing Challenge Wanaka. So my question is, should I do the boxing match, or should I do Challenge Wanaka half? It's weak and you know it. What? what, what just, just Challenge Wanaka. Boxing's hardcore, John. Oh, you're going to have so much padding. You see, you see those celebrity ones. They have those huge, big face padding things. That's right. Up. I'm a model, John. I've got to protect this face. It's my whole family. 
isn't going to get close to you. You'll probably have a box downstairs, so that'll be, that'll get that covered. So you might just get a little, <laughs> you know, a, box a few little pitter patters on your chest, and that'll be about it. So I think uh, you need to take a cement pill and, and do the Wanaka challenge. But there, there, see, I'm answering the question already. But I suppose everybody can have a chance at answering this. And and oh no, I think what I might do for the fundraiser, I might actually what I'm thinking for a fundraiser is I might do you can do a five dollar donation and you can get to choose my boxing name and I draw it out of a hat and whatever it is you can choose it so I could end up with a really bad one or a really good one okay that sounds good okay so that's the discussion you know what if you guys vote I may even just go for what you guys decide because I need to make a decision in the next week so okay here's my challenge okay John we're not going to put any music on let's, let's just do the next uh, title what do we got we got Age-grouper-of-the-week-week-week-week-week-week-week-week-week-week-week-week-week-week-week-week-week-week-week-week-week-week-week-week-week-week-week-week-week-week-week-week-week-week-week-week-week-week-week-week-week-week-week-week-week
non-WTC races and to win by an hour is is, uh, is pretty convincing and uh, especially when you're coming back from a stress fracture where she had to have 12 weeks off running after Kona so a good solid race we did give her a mention at a time when we were going through the results but this gives us a little bit more a little bit more story and she would also like to thank Martin Zanfoot um, from Zoot UK for all the Zoot kit and Lawrence at the Tri, uh, the tri Store in Eastbourne for their constant support. Well, I must say, I think Simon might be getting some loving tonight. Might be. Might. <laughs> it, it's business time, Simon. You know what your objective was and you've just served it. <laughs> okay. Oh, and, her, uh, and Simon's nickname is Undies. Nice, because of Underwood, obviously. Nice. Also, Very good. So, Sarah Lovelock, you are our age grouper of the week. Beautiful. Kind of made that work there. One, two, three, four, high five. Do you know what's funny, John? I've started doing the radio ads in Christchurch for Les Mills. So, um, and, and the thing about Les Mills is they want to sound excited and, and you've got these scripts you've got to read and it's, it's a bit more technical than what we do, I have to admit, John. <laughs> and you know when I do the high five, I do the arm motions? Well, yeah, you yeah. To, you want to see me when I'm doing the radio ad? I really look like I've got cerebral palsy or something because I'm all over the place. Uh, I'd love to see it. I would. I'd love to see it. I'll do a film and bring it for you next time. Okay, Good. so this one's uh, our bloody great podcast from Kona. It's from David Chambers. Yeah, David Nan Chambers actually, David and Chambers. Uh, he listened to them all. Uh, loved them. Here is his high five, or actually six in order. You can go first, Jumbo. Okay, number one. Bloody great podcast from Kona. Bevan using a pillow to wipe sweat off his forehead while interviewing. That was disgusting, actually. Well, it was it was hot, John. What was I meant to use? Who was that? Was was that with uh, Hillary? Yeah. Was it? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah I wasn't it wasn't classic. We're cool with Hillary, but I wouldn't have done it with anyone. Yeah. That's true. Going back for the second helping of pizza at the finish. Excellent. Now, to be honest, we didn't actually do that, did we, John? No, we we just took the one piece of pizza and we, and shared, we, did, it. we shared it, and we <laughs> and we didn't feel bad when they actually ran out of pizza. And I, I was. I was talking... Um, we went up to our hotel room late at night and we looked down there's no pizza left and people were athletes coming in and we were like, oh no. That is, one, that is probably the one thing that, that sticks in my mind from Kona is, is they do pretty much everything else right but I just think that was just incredibly poor what they do post-race and when you finish that race and there's no drinks, nothing cool, no shade to get away from the sun so that was, that was weak. Nice. Number three, John, the star, um, the star coach... Missing out on diving to the seabed from the boat. He's getting old. Ha, ha, ha. That was quite deep. And, uh, and I, I didn't even get to the bottom, and I had sore ears after that. So, How uh, close to the bottom were you? Like, were, you, were you kind of like if you could have held for a few more seconds or were you miles off? It, it wasn't so much I couldn't hold my breath any longer. It was just my ears were getting so bloody sore. Oh. Um, I would have been a couple of metres away. Oh, okay. It was that close. Did you know what I say? Oh, no. <laughs> a couple of metres. God. I didn't see you going down, hey, big I'm boy. Not I'm not a swimmer. <laughs> Uh, getting directions to the coffee boat when swimming, that is cool. Well, we're cool. We know that, John, so that's how we roll. And there was the directions on the bottom of the ocean floor as well. When you're swimming out, they have the little sign pointing the directions, yeah. and they have the, the lovely girls on the beach with the sign telling you, you know, the, the boat's only a couple hundred metres off, um, so, so it was cool. Yep. And references to farting during the podcast, it's like being there. And that, again, that was Bevan's um, class, farting on the podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> John, again, I've learned a lot about John through this trip, and one thing is he takes no responsibility for the bad things in life. So uh-huh. he'll instantly point a direction at someone else. So just be aware of that if you ever hang out with John. Lastly, number six, supposedly slow ride the race the day before the race, I should say. Every coach is, don't bloody do it. Well, luckily, I must say, 
on that slow ride the day before the race, no athletes were racing. So that's right. But all that ride. The curly front trainer run. mate, didn't he? That was like doing a big training week the week of the race, wasn't he? Yeah, but he was he was training up for Xterra. Oh, was he? Okay. Um, yeah, so we we did our steady group ride with people racing on Tuesday, which was fine, and that was only a steady ride. Whereas the ride on Friday was a hammer fest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, whoops! Oh, the side of the week. The week. I mean, this one's sent through good old the deliverer, the consistent whatever. What's his nickname now? We've got so many of them. Mr. Consistency. Okay. I don't think that was it, but we'll go with that. Uh, he sent it through, and it is called Dub Dub Dub. What is it called, John? 42k195.com. If you do that, actually, the website is um, has actually changed. But if that if you put that in, that basically takes you through to the website. Um, yeah. It's basically a directory of um, lots of running races from half marathons through to ultra distances. So it's now changed to marathons.ahutu.com but you'll see um, www.42k195.com you'll get there um, and it's a pretty good listing of all the marathons around the world um, ultra marathons which are often a little more difficult to find multi-day races half marathons and it's got um, you know, obviously listings for the 22 races so it's good because you can um, look at it from a calendar perspective so you can look through when you want to race or you can look through a race locator and it's basically got some sort of Google, Google Map functionality um, to it and for us it defaults to New Zealand automatically so it must pick that up through our um, through our computers we're using but you can basically put in wherever you want to do a race and uh, and they're trying to list as many of the races around as they can so I think they're doing a pretty good job when I look at the map of New Zealand they have um, the Buller Marathon they have the uh, Queenstown Marathon they have the Dunedin Marathon they have a few on the North Island so I wouldn't say it's a listing of every single one in New Zealand but I think it's got most of the main ones and you just have to check it out for your area if you're keen to find any races well, I think one thing that's kind of cool about it is you can kind of go okay let's go to New Zealand and then you click on there and they show you by months so you can say mm-hmm. okay, I'm planning on I'm going to go to Hungary and I want to do a race so let's go I'll go click on Hungary and I want to do a race <clears throat> and I'm going to be in Hungary at uh, June and there's three marathons on so I can click on June and it'll instantly take me through to there and I'll show you where the races are and then you can go to the map and see what part of Hungary they're going to be in if that's going to be so if you're kind of looking for a race especially if you're actually thinking of traveling somewhere um, to do a race or you're going to be somewhere you're trying to throw a race in what are you laughing at John? Um, so I'm sitting here and I'm, I've just clicked through to the calendar page and I've got Google Ads in the middle of the page yep. and Buller Half Marathon, the best coaching group training. Oh, here we go, John. Best based in Christchurch, www.raceteam.co.nz. Check it out, team. If you want to do a half marathon, check out my website. Oh, it's going well, too. I'm loving it. Um, what am I saying? So Google AdSense is obviously targeted in the right area. You know, so what you do, John, is you actually you target the area you want. So I've got a 14K kind of radius around Christchurch. So I would mm. get that ad here and you'll get it there. So, yeah, it's, it's, don't click on it because it costs me money. <laughs> Click, 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 everybody, everybody go onto this, this website, 42195, and uh, tell your friends. <laughs> anyway, so if you want to, um, if you are thinking of doing a marathon or a running race somewhere around the world, this is a really cool website, really good resource, maybe just the one to put in your kind of your bookmarks for when you're actually thinking about doing some racing, eh? Nice, exactly. Nice work, Vegan. Thank you for keeping up the consistent delivery of your service. Beautiful, Vegan. We love you. Right on. Uh, Coaches Corner.
so last week, um, Bevan, we, we discussed drafting and, and Bevan sort of said to me, so if you're in a situation, you know, would you draft? And I like to pride myself on being a fairly um, fair racer and don't draft. Um, but if I was put in a situation like people were at the World Short Course Champs in the Gold Coast, where it was basically pelotons riding around, I think um, if I was in that situation, I'd probably, you know, it's, it sucks, but you've probably got to, got to join in with it because you would have just got completely smoked if you hadn't. But I think in, in other situations, when we look back to rote, where there are a lot of people on the course, um, I like to think um, you, you're still able to ride a fair race, but I think there's lots of things race directors can do to make it as easier for the athletes to try to stay out of that draft zone. And I think um, what they do in rote is really good by spreading the field out so much with, with delayed starts. So this is my ideas, um, probably specifically for Kona here. Oh, so you're going to say something? No, I, I've read through your ideas and I like what you're doing. And, and I think the thing is, is that it's kind of hard in the situation where the race organisers make it impossible for us not to draft. Mm. You know, that, that sometimes it's easy to point the finger at the athlete and say you're you know, a drafting bastard, but at times it's just unavoidable and it's more we need to look at the whole picture and what can the race organisers do to, you know, because some races they know they're drafting, like Florida, you know, the, the 70.3 chaps, they must know that drafting's happening, so they need to have a look at a way to make it easier for athletes to not drive because the problem is it ruins your race because you're thinking about drafting the whole race, you're not actually thinking about your athletic performance. Exactly, and and you just got to sometimes you just got to do the maths, and you can actually figure out it's it's just not possible not to draft. Or if you if you use the exact drafting rules, um, the number of people on the course mm. at, at a given time, it's just it's just impossible. And 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 world yeah, the world champs over in Australia. It, it, it would have been nearly impossible if you're at the competitive end of the field, especially in the male field, not to draft. Um, it was, it was, it was, was unbelievable. Uh, well, yeah, it was, it was what happened anyway. So this is my some of my solutions that race organisers can do rather than us compl- continually complaining. We actually try to offer some solutions, and this, my my solution for Kona is. Um, Maybe a little bit controversial because we all love to see that beautiful picture, you know, hovering above the um, the Kona Pier and, and Kailua there, and uh, and then you see the splash of everything, you know, the water just going white and everybody taking off at once. But I think we've got to get away from just focusing on what's best for the for the media and actually look at what's best for the athletes. So my solution is, you have uh, for this course, you have two start areas because you've got such a wide berth there at the start. You have say the men starting on one side and the women starting on the other side and they can maybe merge together um, maybe two-thirds of the way down the um, down the first sort of straight. This is different, John. That's a this is bit different. different. <laughs> You've so, been thinking outside the square, yeah, haven't you? Yeah. So here we go. So this is, this is, this is my point. So you've got two start areas, men and women. Um, at 6.45, same as what they had this year, you have the pro starts. Um, the pro athletes, they all start together, probably probably men's and women's, although I haven't really thought about this. You probably could have, um, two again, two separate start areas, have the men on one side and the women on the other, and that would probably make it a little bit fairer for, for the women, I think. So actually, I think that's probably a good idea. Yeah. Um, and then at 7 o'clock, like they have this year, that's when you start things for the, for the age group athletes. But... You basically start it in waves every 10 minutes. Um, so you have five-year age groups. You have the, the women starting on one side and maybe um, you know maybe 100 metres away, you'd have the men starting and you start each five-year age group um, you know, at 10-minute gaps. And then um, probably once you get up to about, say, the 50-year age group when there's, the fields are not so big, then you can maybe combine all them together and just have maybe one or two wave starts after that. Um, but for all the other age groups, I think if you just did 10-minute gaps, it is going to mean that you know, you're probably going to be starting through I mean that's uh, say six waves of 10 minutes so that you know you're going to have people starting between 7 and 8 at 8 a.m 
but I think the reality is there's so few people that go over 16 hours, um, I don't really think that's going to affect the cutoff time and I don't think they should make it any greater than um, midnight. I guess the one issue you've got there is um, the, the oldest and slowest athletes are going to be going last, so those are typically the ones that will be finishing last, so I guess it does create a little bit of an issue for them. Um, and I thought what they do in, 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 in Rote is they actually have the pro athletes starting first. I, I can't remember what time we started, but I think it was 6, earlier, think 6, 6.30. Yeah. Um, and then they, have, they actually have the older athletes um, starting with the pros. But uh, my, my feeling with that is if you do that, um, you're going to have people swimming all over the top of the pro, uh, the, uh, the old, old athletes no, but, as they're coming down. Rote, what happened was the, the pros were like half an hour ahead. We were miles ahead of the... Yeah, but, but having said that, I mean, even I if you're half an hour upset, yeah. um, if they're taking two hours, they're going to get swum over. So that's the one area of this that, that I'm not quite um, sure on how to solve. And you'd have 10-minute gaps um, between the ways. And I think what that would do for the field over there, it would spread it out enough. So drafting, yes, it would still be an option because you're still going to have a lot of people coming out of the water at the same time. But I think it would be spread out enough that you would be able to um, realistically stay out of the draft zone and things would be able to spread out enough. Whereas at the moment, you know, between, say, that 55-minute and that one-hour one and five minute that 10 minute gap there I would estimate you're probably going to be having an excess of 500 people coming out of the water or, or no I'm saying maybe about 500 people coming out of the water trying to spread that that many people out over 10 minutes at the start of the bike is very very difficult as we saw so I think this would spread it out enough to make it a fair contest. At the end of the day do you still finish it at 12 o'clock you know because obviously the older guys who are going to be the slowest people out there you know, they may actually end up being bloody an hour behind on the start, which means they yeah. have 16 hours to finish. Well, how do you do that? Well, that's the only the only fault to my, my method here, Bevan. It's the only fault. Um, is, is <laughs> it's one thing they do. It's one of maybe it's, it's kind of when I do the challenge races, it's kind of one of the downfalls is that, although in, in Monica they didn't, but in Rote, they kind of start the celebrations quite early, I think, maybe 10, 30, 11, and people, they had the fireworks going off and people are coming through the finish line still, but... Imagine if you're out in the field and you see the fireworks going off. I, I guess one thing you could do is you could have the because I think it's going to affect such a small part of the field. Um, you know, maybe you could have the say the over 60s maybe starting at um, I don't know 6:15. It might create a little bit of a logistical difficulty, um, but you know that, that means they're going to be just saying that Skype decided to drop out on us. Yeah. So you know, one potential solution to that is to start the the older you know the 60 plus or 65 plus athletes uh, maybe at 6:15 and it gives them that little bit of extra time. Um, so that's something, but I guess that's, that's the one downfall of my, my method is, is that... Um, is it worth, I know this could be a logistical nightmare, having two swim courses? That would be quite a difficult one. Um, and I'd probably say, given it affects such a small part of the field, and we're probably talking, you know, 10 to maybe... But maybe, maybe I'm, just, I'm just throwing this out there, but maybe if you had, like, you know, two, two kind of circles that went in different directions that end up coming in, starting and finishing at the same place, but just went in yeah. different directions, so that maybe... Um, you know, so that way you could kind of get the slower crew to go on one side and the faster crew to go on the other side, or you could mix it up. It's probably not that hard to do. Yeah, potentially. It's, it could be an option. So, But I think this is going to help the mass part of the field, and I guess I've just got to do a bit of fine-tuning in terms of those last few. I guess, you know, the one big downside is this, is you don't have the mass start. You're not racing head-to-head against everybody. You're only racing head-to-head against your age group. Um, and I guess when, when you're coming down the finishing chute, you know, it's a lot harder for the spectators to really tell sort of what position you're in. And what um, time you did? 
and what time you did. But I think the 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 the, the issues I've got now is you just get the crap beaten out of your swim, and so many people do not enjoy the swim, and that's a bit of a turn off for a lot of people. The draft and the drafting it's issue on the bike. And and I guess you know what this if you spread the field out, it also creates a lot more ease for the um, going through aid stations and stuff. Because I know a lot of people miss their aid going through aid stations because there's so many people out on the course. So I think it's got more positives than negatives. As I admit, there are some negatives to it, um, but I think the positives outweigh the negatives. Uh, I think one thing yeah. that eventually what could with technology or your timing chips is what they could do is over the finish line it could just flash up your time. So, yeah, you know, I'm really. sure they could sort that out so that when you go over the finish line, <laughs> over the, you know, it actually flashes the time you've done for the race. Mm, yeah, mm, I think that's mm, a good idea. Yeah. Um, I think one one thing Mac had talked about, and, and I haven't given this a huge amount of thought, is is to perhaps change the the drafting for the for the pros because whilst I think this will help the age group drafting side of things, all the pros are still going to come out the same as they have this year because um, they'll yeah. all be together. So I think um, on a, on a course like Kona where you've got so much road space and you've got such a big shoulder, um, you know, perhaps it, c- it could be okay to sort of write have athletes riding side by side. Yeah. Um, I, I don't. You have to have a think about that. There just needs to be a channel somewhere where athletes can come past and pass, um, you know, in the middle of the road. So I think you know this is going to help the age group, but we've probably got to think about a few ideas in terms of um, helping the pro race and trying to spread that out a little bit on the bike, or or making it not such a big long line. Um, so that sort of solves a few issues there for Kona, I think. Um, I guess for for other races, you know pretty similar stuff spreading the waves out more and that's what they do well and right there's still some drafting over there but again you're giving the athletes the opportunity um, to well, I to think spread. the problem with drafting rote is more just the fact that you're doing a double lap so when you come around the second time before if you're doing out and back it's not going to be a problem no well, not uh, and I and I just think, you know, for, for championship races, you just probably need to reduce the size of the fields a little bit. You know, if you go to the World Short Course Champs, they've just got too many people racing. Um, and I think if you reduce the size of the fields, I don't think the drafting is going to be such an issue. Uh, and then um, what I would like to see at short course racing is to have an elite age group drafting race. So oh, really? Yeah, potentially say either have your top five age group athletes from your country racing, um, and that can be across all ages. They can be you know, 20 to 24 athletes. They could be 40-plus athletes, depending on who's in the top five. Um, or you could do it a slightly different way where you have, say, two, you know, your top two age groupers per country um, could go into a drafting race or some sort of formula like that. Um, but I think you know, for, for the elite end of age group racing, I think they should be considering a drafting race um, as an option if people were really want to um, you know, race a bit more like what the, the pros race. Nice. Okay. So, uh, uh, some good thoughts here, John. You've been thinking, and I like that about you. You're a thinking man. Thank you, Bevan. Wow, well, you know, I'm just giving you the love. Right yeah. then, uh, questions and answers. Right on. There <laughs> you go. Okay. So, sponsors? Athlinks.com. So I had an email in from Troy, um, and he said there's a couple of points he wanted us to to bring up. Um, right, he wants to encourage everyone who hasn't been to the site recently to come back um, and check it out because basically what they've done, they've unlocked um, millions of hidden results because of some limitations they had with the previous version. So they've basically rewritten all their code. Um, also wanted to point out um, a couple of things. October is always the heaviest month of the year. So if you're waiting on results, just bear with us. And the new site launch has 
been, there's an increase in membership um, and that's just put them behind a little bit uh, and also just trying to get on top of all that. Uh, it'd be interesting to mention on the site that since we've been doing it, we've successfully filled over 100,000 requ- um, results requ- requests from new members, not wow. bad for service. Um, and he's also going to send me an email about a few other things that are going to be coming up. So basically, they've just added um, you know, more results to the site and they've changed the look of the site a little bit. And one other thing, that just came through this morning that some of you guys um, will know if you're an Athlinks member is that when we're over in Kona people love free stuff don't they? They, Honestly people do anything for something free there was a a milk company who were doing t-shirts and you basically had to wear their tattoo for a day and honestly that was good marketing the thing is it was good marketing in some ways because everyone did it but I didn't know what the brand was so it didn't actually help me at all but, you know, Be- Beach Milk, um, which is, they sponsor Yvonne Van Blurken and, and Macker and so on. So, yeah, I think it was for branding purposes, it was it was great. Um, whether they're going to sell more milk, but it's certainly going to get the brand name out there and then people are going to be wearing that T-shirt. And the thing with, make, when, if you're going to do a T-shirt, you've got to make it a cool T-shirt, and they do have a cool T-shirt. Um, so if you're, if you're on Athlinks, um, you may well have received a mail, uh, an email. You can get yourself some free sports drinks mix. Sports drink mix. It's called um, Amino Vita, Vital or Vital. Um, but go onto the site, and if you haven't joined up, this is one of the reasons why you should join up. You get some free stuff. Okay, beautiful. So then we've also got what else? We got we got coffees of Hawaii. Yes. And I think all you need to know really about Coffees of Hawaii is... Well, no, I'm going to get Porno some love here. So I've had Porno's wedding, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But had Porno's wedding on, and uh, he'd actually got some of the... He'd bought some of the Coffees of Hawaii for the wedding. And so... Um, and he had some of that vanilla nut stuff. Oh. I like him, eh? Good thing. But, but what was even better was he... When he did the order, because he said with the free shipping that they had on in October, he said it was just a no-brainer, and that... Um, he bought. He also bought one of the uh, sweat caps. What are they, those hat, hats called? Head sweats. Head sweats. And he bought one that was like a cool kind of greeny colour. And it was yeah. fashion, man. And I was like, Porno, you're fashion. And he was like, well, Coffees of Hawaii have helped me be fashion. That's right. Because he wasn't wearing the, the, the head sweat at the wedding, right? Oh, yeah. yeah in the ceremony. Yeah. Yeah, good. I'll some photos for you. <laughs> Cool. So if you go on to Coffees of Hawaii, check it out, um, put in your code IMTALK and you get a discount. And they've also sort of reviewed um, some of their shipping pri- um, prices. So if you go on there, if you've been on there in the past and shipping was um, was too much, go back in there now because they have uh, managed to rejig that a little bit um, and get on there and get stuck into your coffee. Beautiful. And lastly, we've got good old tribeyes.com. For Kiwis and Aussies, whose exchange rate oh. is uh, ridiculously high right now, do your late season shopping. There's always a sale on at Tribeyes, and with the exchange rate the way it is, well, it's uh, good thing because the exchange deals. rate is so great. It's coming into the end of their summer season, so it's obviously yeah. specials times as well. So you're gonna get a deal, but the exchange mm. rate is just stupid at the moment, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And Bjorn, this is a, it's a good way if you if you're feeling good about yourself athletically and you you've got your body to where you want it to be, and you're a little bit concerned for the Northern Hemisphere athletes about it all all letting loose over summer and you, over winter, and you, you're going to put a few pounds on. Get some clothes now that are going to fit you. You can get them off 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 tri bias, and that'll motivate you to make sure you can stay in that sort of shape for next summer. Yeah, and they've got all the gear, honestly. Especially like if you're thinking of a big ticket item, something like a bike right now, because you get your free shipping for anything over 500 US, there's some mm. deals to be had, and it's like it's the best time to buy a bike. And if you're buying a bike about this time of the year, you've still got enough time to get yourself ready for your race with the bike. So, that's right. Oh, John. 
Nice. So, Bevan, tell us about your wedding. About, about porno. Wedding. Congratulations. Okay. Uh, porno, congratulations. No, before on your I tell you about the wedding, I actually want to tell you guys about one thing that guy called Colin Durant did for us. He's, he's, if you're a Mac user, you'll know what a widget is. And a widget is basically, oh, if you're a Mac user, you'll know what it is. But he's created an IM Talk widget. So, that if you push F12 or your, your dashboard on your widget, then you can get all our shows from your dashboard. And for those of you who work at work, or it's a really cool thing. And, and Colin's actually working on doing an iPhone app for us, which pretty, pretty much means that you can listen to our show anywhere, anywhere, anytime uh, through the iPhone app. So um, I'm not going to put it on the website this week, the link to that, because I'm away. But next week I'll put that onto the link because it's pretty great. And John, you won't understand any of that. I understand. I don't know what a widget is, so it's, it's fine. I'm sure everybody that does knows what you're talking about. Okay, John. So the wedding was an interesting experience. The first reason it was was because we had the stags do two nights before. And I've learned something about weddings, John, about the stags do. Always have your stag do two nights before the wedding or the night before. Do you know why? Why? You don't have to buy so much alcohol on the wedding. Oh, okay. Because the guys at the stags do, they... <laughs> They, there's about 12 guys in, we, and we stayed in some scummy kind of place. It was like a room in, in a campsite, but it was beautiful, but it was kind of scummy, which kind of worked because it was a pretty tragic place. But they bought like 12, eight bottles of spirits between 12 guys, and I wasn't drinking, so it's basically between 11 and about a billion beers, and the spirits literally disappeared in like an hour and a half, so you can imagine it got pretty messy. Uh, but the spirits. Thing was, oh, was that? Spirits are just stupid. Oh, uh, it was because they had a court session, so it was it was it was messy to say the least. The thing was, was that on the wedding night, no one drank that much. Oh, really? Yeah, because everyone was a little bit over drinking, a little bit too much. So just a little strategy to have there. But the ironic thing was, was that I was the first person to spew at the stags do, and I wasn't drinking. Oh, nice. I know, because what happened was, Slam I Am was sitting next to me, and he said, I, first of all, they made me scull a bottle of Sprite Zero full, so I did that. <laughs> and I managed that, so it wasn't too bad. But then, they made us, about five or six of us, eat a raw egg with the shell. Oh, nice. Yeah, and I couldn't do it. <laughs> uh, I, I don't want to go too much. How did you attack eating a raw egg with a shell? Well, you just, you... you just chew it, but then what happened was, I'd... Swallow the yolk and I'd, I'd spew, but I managed to hold it in my mouth and then I managed to swallow the spew down. But then I, I ended up doing it like four times, and in the end, I lost the plot. And yeah, that barbecue wasn't looking too good outside myself. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> but the wedding was lovely. Um, Sean and Steph, like his, his um, partner Steph, she just looked. Wife? Um, well, wife, yeah, wife Steph. And she was like happy and just smiling the whole day, really relaxed feel. They made it real personally. They got married at Lookout Lodge, where we had Epic Camp. Are you there? Oh, yep, yep, yep. Oh, yeah. that was very nice. It's good there, yeah. Yeah, yep. yeah. So it was a beautiful spot, beautiful day, uh, good band. It was just a really, really great wedding. We had a lot of fun and a good crew of people. And uh, yeah, did a bit of a speech, gave them shit about the name Porno. It was good. It was good. <laughs> nice. Very what good. What you been up to? We had a triathlon club camp down here at the weekend. I sort of was coaching on that and helping out that for, for half of it. Um, yeah, we went up to Akira, oh, nice. and uh, a couple of a couple of listeners there, Darren and Andrew. Um, nice. And it's the first time I've uh, I biked over there. Went round to went over the hills, round to Littleton, met the group coming or a couple of the guys coming, and then rode through the bays, which is in Christchurch, and then over Gibby's Pass, and then up. Uh, there's a climb called the Hilltop Climb, yep. and then first time I've ever been along uh, the Summit Road there for a long. Oh, I've uh, never done that before. No, it's reasonably difficult. <laughs> it's an animal, isn't it? Because you don't know how long it goes for either. It just keeps going, no, isn't it? 
So, uh, so that was good, did that right, and then we cracked the ice. We, had, we did a sprint triathlon on the Saturday morning, um, so I had a swim in the sea, first summer season. It wasn't actually that cold, which was fun. And then um, I biked back, so I had a good weekend of training, and, uh, and everybody seemed to have a nice time over there. Got my hopefully I got my last attack by a magpie. Got hammered on the way home by one magpie, nice. um, but I think it's just about the end of the season. So I was um, pleased because I got a couple of good rides and and uh, everybody seemed to have fun over there and uh, it was all good. And other than that, it is uh, pissing down with rain today, so struggling a little bit. Yesterday was a public holiday, so uh, day off. Well, I uh, I'm up in Auckland doing some aerobics work, which is lots of fun because they give me a food allowance. So I'm happy with that. That's all I need. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> Give me a food allowance. And the coming week ahead, Bevan, just hanging out up there. Yeah, I want to go movies. One thing about being up here is you kind of get a lot of time out, so you kind of, you know, I get to sleep in in the mornings, which is quite nice. I'm kind of going to start training for my half Monica, but maybe. What, what about boxing? Well, no, no, I'm going to because I, I need to start training for Monica now if I'm going to do it, but I can change my direction next week if I decide to do the boxing match. But. So I'm going to go for a swim tomorrow morning. I bought my goggles that I got from the Blue 70s from Kona, the Kona 09s. Uh, nice. Not many people had those. And I've got my, my Speedos out, John. I'm going to go for a swim tomorrow morning. So welcome back to the IM world. Very good. Oh, well, we'll catch up with everyone next boring week. You? Am I boring you? Uh, am I? Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's time for breakfast. <laughs> okay, John, let's do it. Iron Rust. Iron Moon Don't. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha. Beautiful. Rightio, I'll let you edit all that together and um, you're around next.